Welcome to Bitscore, a comedy game design podcast by two guys who know nothing about comedy nor game design. I'm Trevor Scott, and with me, as always, it's Benson. I thought you'd forgotten my name there with that pause. Yes. Nah. Hello, I'm here. Uh, ben Slinger, who is now 40 years old. Oh, God, don't tell them that. No, hey, fine. I'm 40 <laughs> and a half. That's true. We're both we're both 40 now. We're both, like, I mean, I guess we're probably technically adults in, like, our late 20s, if you, you know, go by the sort of Mentally, thing. Mentally? No, no, I'm still a teenager. Like at, at 40, <laughs> even at 40, it's like, nah. No, the only difference between sure Ben and I turning forty is I've got a lot more grey in the beard, yeah, and Ben true. has no no grey in the beard, uh, and I'm starting to wonder. Like totally I'm true. looking at him right now, and all I see is just black everywhere. Mm. Nah, that's look, black. There's dude. one. There's one. <laughs> there's one. There's one. Oh, look, <laughs> everything underneath <laughs> underneath the bloody chin is grey with me. <laughs> uh it's true, not not to go too far off off tangent, but I came across photos of you, Trevor, from I don't know ten years ago. Um, you don't ever go that far back. Have a look at the at the photos that we took for Bitstorm and that's true. True Sweary Dads, that's true. and it's all black, like you know, or at least you know Auburn and and got a lot of yeah. brown in there. There you go. So if if you want to know what we're talking about, go to the artwork for. Bitstorm and uh, and or two sweary tads and look at Trevor and then imagine him more grey and then look at Ben and imagine him with longer hair because he's got rather short hair in that photo. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, it's only down to my chin. <laughs> it's about it's, where my hair is now. Now like, it's like down past my nipples. Yeah, that happens. All right. That was more preamble than we usually do. So, let's get into the And show. I'll probably cut most of it. Yay. Uh, whatever. <laughs> or I didn't. Um, I don't give a shit. It's just we're, we're- It's one of those nights that are just like, whatever, fuck it. We're like 221 episodes in, so we do what we want. Uh, <laughs> we're going to jump back you to using what3words.com tonight for our random words to create some game designs. You know the drill if you're, if you're here by now. If it is your first time, I just said what we're going to do. So you'll find out soon enough. Mm-hmm. Ben, what three words? Retail brainwashed duvets. Ooh, I'm, I'm picturing that this is set in a bed, bath and beyond. <laughs> yeah. And okay. the beyond is actually like a Lovecraftian horror. It <laughs> 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 makes a lot of sense. Um, <laughs> I mean, we're here in Australia, and for those American listeners and those that are listening throughout the world, um, we don't have Bed Bath and Beyond here, but we're just imagining that kind of like the the old Family Guy joke of, you know, Beyond being like a, a nothing space sort of thing. Oh, funny! I actually go to the movie Click. Oh um, yes, yes, I forgot about that, and yeah. that is an awesome film. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah, so we'll, we'll take the cultural osmosis uh, that we've gained and use Bed Bath & Beyond since it does fit well into that. I do like that idea of the beyond being some sort of, I mean, yeah, brainwashing made me think of, um, yeah, some sort of like body snatching situation or- um, Or or it's every time that you come out of the beyond of- section that- you know, you've just forgotten about what happened in the beyond and and now you're you're just all happy again. But the second that you you sort of walk into the beyond again, you realize, oh my God, every <laughs> single time I walk into this place I <laughs> so I forget. But I remember as soon as I see it again. <laughs> I'm picturing this as like a first person walking simu- simulator sort of thing a bit. Um or mm-hmm. at least just like a, a slow paced first person uh ad- adventure where yeah, you start off and you've just come out of Beyond. Yes. Um, and you're, like, talking to the other staff. And- Your main section is bed because of duvets. Yeah. Um, you don't really you don't really talk to the bath people because, you know, they're, they're all snobby and shit. They're a bit like, weird. Yeah, they're a bit clicky. Yeah. Um, but, of course, like, everyone, everyone talks about Beyond that any time they come out of there, they just- They just- can't remember what happened in in that room. Yeah, there's this weird kind of aura from there where- So, yeah, I think you do come out and, and like, 
someone asks you like, oh, are you just in Beyond? Like, what what were you doing in there? And you can't remember. But You then, can't like, remember because that's where the, the game is opened. But then, because- but then halfway through that conversation, they forget that you that they even asked you and that you were even in there. Um, yeah. And you sort of start to realize, oh, there's something weird about Beyond. Yeah. Um, I'm imagining that something that you pick up throughout throughout the game um, means that from now on, you remember everything that, like, mm. your character remembers everything whenever they enter, enter beyond. And at first, it's kind of normal, but it, you kind of get a little bit of, you know, just a little bit of freaky shit happening. So, we don't have to um, do any sort of, like, mind- Stuff like so, I, I guess mind fuckery. Well, just so that, so it, it's clear that the player, because obviously the player is not going to forget things. So to no. make it that the character maybe isn't, maybe maybe you come out of beyond with like a ring on or something that, as the player, you don't immediately realize is different. But I don't know. You go home that night and your partner is like, "Hey, why are you wearing that ring?" Um, or something. I don't know, like, but I've seen the most fucked up things. <laughs> well, I think I think you still you're not at this point. You're not necessarily remembering what was in there. Yeah, like you were given that ring on the way out or something, and it's now you know, there's you you sort of or it's the first it's the first thing that you find, and it's just on on the floor, just outside the um, just outside the beyond. Or it's and, in your you hand. Know, you or sort of like you come yeah. out, and it's in your hand. You haven't put it on yet, and as sort of. Again, from that, uh, I guess the the closest touchstone is maybe Firewatch or something where you've got a lot of visuals around, like just some really nice animations from the first person. So, you see different Mm -hmm. stuff happening. And so, yeah, I think, you know, the very first scene is essentially, you know, fade up from black and you're like, look around a bit and then the- character looks down at their hand and realizes they're holding it and then maybe puts puts the ring on um and then there's like a conversation with someone who is who is out there and you start yeah that's when you start realizing oh like nobody remembers what's happening in here but it's not until you get called back in there again that maybe you find out and realize yeah. oh it's the ring that's letting me remember this um so you said first person are you are you happy with first person or would you like to go vr i Think first person, just so you do have that. You can take control the ability and actually of taking control of the hands and the and the camera. Uh, that's more just the vibe I'm going for. I'm, I'm feeling there. Um, cool. Which you know, is- I, I do. I do like the idea of like you're walking to beyond and it looks kind of normal until you turn your head and you see, you know, sort of like the tentacle like. <laughs> Cthulhu-esque <laughs> creature reaching in from the corner and just sort of sneaks back as- I mean, you can still, just you can still do that in first person. Um, as, you know, as you look around. I do like the- yeah, you walk into Beyond and you turn all the way around and, like, the door is mostly- Like, the door is still there, but nothing else is there. And you just see this huge abyss with tentacles and things. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's kind of cool. So, what um, what's the kind of arc then? Like, what- what is this beast or pe- these people that are in beyond? What do they want? And how does your character come into play? The reason why you're working there is because, like, you needed some extra extra cash after, like, COVID or yeah. something like that. So, something like that. So, you've gone back into retail. As you go through, you start you start to build up a friendship with someone. Mm-hmm. And then they they have a shift in beyond one day, and then and they never return, and no one remembers who they are. Okay, I like but that. because you've got the ring on, you remember who they are, and you start realizing that any time that someone sort of gets written up for for something bad that they did, they they get moved into beyond, and then no one remembers them anymore. Like, yep, that's cool. I like that because then that sort of gives like the goal for the first part of the game is finding out where your friend went essentially and that leads up to your first as the player entrance into beyond but it also gives you the idea of hang on does upper management know about this like mm. and is this a corporate wide thing of you know the bed bath and beyond sort of thing like every beyond is a different like tentacle beast <laughs> or because because you know 
we're talking otherworldly and all this sort of stuff. There's no reason why all the beyonds can't actually be a singular place. Okay. And you just, when you happen to enter, you happen to, you know, and when you exit, you're, you're exiting into your, um, into your shop. But effectively, there is only one beyond. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's yeah, in like an extra dimensional space. So I like that. And so essentially, the corporation is like feeding and, and serving this god beast. Um, but it also gives you a way of sneaking something into another bed, bath and beyond that you actually need to go into because you can leave something in beyond, leave your own your own place, go off to this other bed, bath and beyond, enter beyond and pick up the stuff and exit again. Like, you know, you sort of you're like, able to teleport I also something. I like the idea that it's not just the beyonds in bed, bath and beyonds, but there, there are other like strange places that that also lead there. Like, I don't know, the the filthy bathroom that no one goes into at the back of the nearby bar or something, you know, like, yep. just so you can, just so you're not having to, to constantly be in just near identical retail stores. Um, Bed, bath, beyond, and what the fuck? <laughs> what I'm kind of thinking is that your player was specifically given this ring so that you could serve the god beast- better they need yep. someone now on the outside who um essentially you've been promoted <laughs> you've been promoted and they basically this is your um this is your sort of test to see whether your management material yeah i like that i like the idea that you're like you so you talk to the assistant manager and like they don't they seem to have forgotten the person as well. Like, they don't know what's going on there. But then, like, you get a visit from the manager and you notice that they're wearing, they're wearing the same, the same ring. ring. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they kind of give you a look. and Yeah. <laughs> they give you a look at first. And then later on, you know, you, you sort of uh, see it. He goes, huh? Huh? He's pointing at the <laughs> ring. very yeah. obvious. <laughs> <laughs> waving it in your face for those, for those gamers who are a bit less uh, observant. <laughs> I'm now picturing like you, you're you're having a talk and you see the subtitles down the bottom and and they're gradually saying something about ring and then it's underlined and it's bolded and it's like throbbing <laughs> and all this sort of stuff. <laughs> it's like don't forget this. It's like click in on L3 and it just like zooms, smash zoom into the ring with it highlighted <laughs> instantly, like. Oh my god! <laughs> and it takes a little bit to focus in. I was like, "Sorry." <laughs> <laughs> you hear the, you hear the cameraman say, "Sorry," um, <laughs> which in a first person game makes even less sense. <laughs> this is just the sort of mood that I'm in tonight. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm just picturing a first person game where you're you're moving around but then when you like when there's a light behind you you see your shadow and you just see this shadow of like a crane's a head with a head with a with a camera on no, the front of it. I'm not thinking literally like a like a person this huge rig this camera rig <laughs> with like arms and legs dangling off it you see a mirror and it's just this crane and somehow they're like <laughs> I don't know, removing the scenery behind you to fit in this crane every time you turn around like it's some fucking movie <laughs> You set. turn around too quickly and you see all these production assistants sort of running out of the scene. <laughs> that would be a great, like, naked gun style game where there's actually, like, a whole mechanic built in. It's not even, it's not even just one scene. It's literally if you swing the mouse around too quickly, they haven't <laughs> fully built the set and it, and you see like a, a <laughs> essentially like time lapse of the set being built, the level. Oh my god! As you move around, <laughs> and it only happens kind of like one in a hundred times that you turn around. Like, yeah, you wouldn't want it to be constant, obviously. Um. <laughs> and it's sort of like I, I can't remember which which Call of Duty game it was, but occasionally when you reloaded in one of the Call of Duty games, like um, you take out the thing and then a handed. Like yeah. come in and hand you I another both, another ammo. I think both Call of Duty and the Battlefield series have done some of those funny reload animations now that they throw in. Yeah, and it's like and one in five hundred t- uh, yeah. chance of it happening or something like that. And it's just like 
you, you see the people's reaction when they did when they weren't expecting it. It's like, oh my god, what just happened? Like yeah. you just see this arm come in and go. <laughs> <laughs> just hand you the clip. Um, yeah, no, I, I I like that, and I guess you. I don't know. Do you join? Do you eventually join, or is this a choice that you get to make at the end of like, do you join corporate and? I think this is a choice that you get to make at the end of Act 2. And so, basically, you've got two different Act 3s. One is sort of a shorter one of you've joined the company and now you're- Now you're basically- You're sending um, poor workers into Beyond. um, And it's just like a very small segment of- Of you like walking through your- your the the store you now manage yeah <laughs> and, and you can up. and you, and you're actually looking for a a person that you can hand another ring to Ooh, so that's okay, okay that's I, basically I like that I like cutting to the store you now manage and yeah you've got your different staff and you sort of through conversation reveal that oh you've got your own candidate for management just like wave the ring in their face <laughs> just like your manager did to you <laughs> cut to black and then the other one is is all about bringing taking down the company but the problem is like and I think this is where it sort of comes down to is that Beyond was actually kind of holding the the Cthulhu slash Lovecraftian um, aliens oh, back, yeah. And by bringing down the company, they're now free to just run havoc across the entire planet. Yeah, yeah. It was the company was doing it for profit because that's what companies do, but also it was it was actually holding it at bay by keeping it sated. Locked into locked into a extra dimensional plane. Now that they've broken down those extra dimensional planes, you're kind of fucked. Yeah, I do like just the final scene as you you know you think you've you think you've you've won you you've brought down the company and you're doing like the final walk again the final walk through the store but this time it's it's empty and there's no stock left and you're walking towards the door that says beyond and it just like slams open and the tentacles start coming out, just like yep. blast into your face and then again cut to black. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. All right, cool. That was good. Um, Trevor, give me three words. What do you got? Shovels worth adults. Shovels worth adults. Hmm. Yes. Okay. This is a new social media platform about digging holes <laughs> <laughs> you monetize hole digging live streamed hole digging uh, mm-hmm. for a variety of purposes graves both shallow and deep just like sand pits swimming pools <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where I'm going with this <laughs> okay um so I I saw like shovels and I immediately started thinking of grave diggers and that sort of stuff because wait I think the, the yes it's <laughs> British British grave diggers it's uh duh, it's a uh, upper class grave diggers <laughs> it has to be up yeah it has to be these British upper okay because it's shovelsworth that's the name yeah I'm thinking in. Because, because of in this world, like, um, the different sort of tiers of, you know, worthiness as such, um, has different classes of grave diggers. So okay. the upper echelon, you know, only get, only get, um, buried by, um, these. By the you know, Shovelsworth clan. By the Shovelsworth clan. And then it, it sort of goes down into like the, the commoners that get, you know, something different. There's a there's a level above the Shovelsworth clan that is effectively royalty because they bury the royals. That's yeah. all they do. Okay, so this is kind of about the the um, the organization, the classist society within gravediggers. Yeah, the underbelly <laughs> of of the gravedigger society, essentially. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay. So is this a is this a you you come in as a as a green 
lower class grave digger and you're working your way up or is it a fall from grace situation where you're you're the only shovel's worth who's been like kicked out of that sort of tier of of service and having to work with the filthy trowel smiths <laughs> i'm just wondering is this like an undercover boss sort of situation where you're You've basically been <laughs> been sort of sent down to work in the trenches, um, so that you so that you know your place. So it's not quite undercover boss. It's more of like a punishment of some oh, sort. It's, it's more of a rumspringer oh, sort of thing. Right. Of it's you're, like you're sent down to work. Yeah, you have to do know like your place by a working. Year of, yeah, and it's just this totally gross, privileged thing of. Yeah. Yeah. But it all kind of gets turned on its head when it turns into basically the walking dead. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this is this is how this this these clans of grave diggers deal with a zombie uprising. Hmm. That makes sense. They would be the first line of defense, wouldn't they? Oh, definitely. You're armed with a shovel and a trowel. Yeah. So shovel for those your- extra length sort of well, hits, I think, I think but then trowel for, for that up close okay. and deadly sort of okay. close quarters so combat. So, is this a third person action then? Oh, yeah. Like yeah. Dead Rising style sort of sort of, um, sort of of thing. <laughs> or actually maybe a more apt comparison like The Witcher and you've mm-hmm. got the shovel and the trowel on your back like you two, that you can switch between. Yep. Um, <laughs> okay, I love that. So, all right, I like this idea then. <laughs> You've spent the last month with the trowel smiths, you know, digging in the trenches of grave digging for the commoners. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't know that you're actual, actually a shovel's worth. And, but then the zombie uprising happens and you don't, so you don't start off with your shovel. You just got no. your trowel or, or trowels maybe. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm imagining that your whole, your whole first, not necessarily act, but your first sort of main mission is to get back to your, to the locker room sort of thing. Which yeah, um, get back to Spade Manor. And basically, when when you when you kick open the door, you know you can sort of open up the locker or whatever and just pick out like this um, beautiful shovel. Well, with, you've like, got, this- yeah, you've got the the special like silver filigree shovel that's been passed down to you by your you know, your father and his mother before him and, you know, the the, the prime shovel's worth of their time. Um, yeah. It's your, it's your, yeah, it's your, like, main, your prime weapon. So, I'm kind of seeing this as not necessarily Dead Rising, but probably more, um, was it Dead Island? The, um, that- Oh, yeah. Like, the precursor to Dying Light. Yeah, uh, hang on, just having a look. Yeah, Dead Island, um, yeah. is what I'm thinking about. It was more of a melee based sort of thing. Yes, I think less, less of the swarms yeah. from Dead and Rising. More of and the, more of the kind of one on one combat where they're, each zombie is particularly dangerous, you know, depending yep. on the, the circumstances you, you find yourself in. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so I'm I'm thinking you've got those those kind of things that um, happened in Dead Rising where you've got the different groups around that you can sort of um, either save or or let them let them sort of get turned into zombies themselves. Mm. So basically, the people that you've been working with, you know, you can save them and they become sort of like your team that you know help other survivors and all this sort of stuff. I do, <laughs> yeah, I do like the idea that like that there is a bit of. Uh, what do you call it? Like commanding of troops uh, a, a yep. bit. Like if you save a group of trowel smiths, like they're not as pa- they're not pa- they're not that powerful, but they come they come in groups and yeah, you know they can. They oh, can but help you, like, they only come in groups because I mean to to dig six feet with a trowel <laughs> is exactly like is they a have to work in lot teams. of fucking work. <laughs> um, but then if you come across like a fellow shovelsworth. They're they're essentially like a knight, you know. They've got their own powerful shovel, and they can take down a lot, lot more zombies on yep. their own. So, what caused the zombie outbreak? Um, bad tea. Bad tea. <laughs> bad okay. Tea leaves. Okay, something, I like that. Something in the tea leaves. 
Um, there's something about bad tea leaves that just sort of, I think everyone can, can really relate to that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, everyone in Britain. <laughs> yeah. Where we're and this. somewhat Australia, like. <laughs> yeah. Bad tea bags. It's just bad tea bags. Um, and actually that, well, no, no, it is bad tea leaf. It's, well, because I'm just thinking it's like, I'm thinking how this plays into the class factor because, like, the working class, the Trousmiths use tea bags. Yes. Whereas the Shovelsworth, you know, they have their tea leaves that are fresh, yeah, you know, fresh they've, dried they've for got them the full and they strain them. You know, tea ba- uh, the teapot and, you yeah. know, their- So- um, Okay, so I'm now picturing that your first thing is get your shovel. But at Spadesworth Manor or Shovelsworth Manor, um, you it's know- Spade Manor. But that's where the manner, shovel. But, that's where but, the shovels were. Yeah. 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 Okay. So at Spade Manor, you've actually got um, when you get there, there's like a whole heap of zombies sort of um, trying to break in, and I think this comes down to even though it's all tea based, um, there's something in the manor that that like the zombies are actually being attracted to, mm. and so it comes down to that, um, like the reason why shovels and trowels are so. Um, effective against these zombies is because there's like a ancient artifact that sort of has been held in the in the Shovelsworth line for years. Um, yeah, okay, that, that makes sense, and, and I think that comes down to like the re- whole reason that this family are grave diggers. Mm-hmm. Like, and in ancient times, it was their family who protected against yeah. the undead. But it's been centuries since you know. Yeah, I'm kind of, I'm kind of thinking that it's kind of like, um, you, you find out that the, um, one of the Knights Templar used, used a shovel as their, as their main, their main weapon. And then when they, when they moved back to England, they, they built their whole thing around, around the shovel. Yeah, because that's where that the was name their, came from. And, that yep. was their weapon of choice. Yeah. But I effectively, like, like it, it's all coming back to, you know, holy crusades and all this sort of stuff. And it's all about the, um, <laughs> so the did shit's someone, going down. Is this artifact like a teapot of sorts and someone brewed the tea in it and that's like where it started? It could be. It could be. Um, I like the idea of having collectibles around the place and it's all part of like one tea set. <laughs> right. So it's like cups and saucers and and like silverware and all this sort of stuff, and it's like this, you know, somewhat tarnished um, mm. tea set that you're finding around everywhere, and it's sort of like um, all the zombies are sort of they're drawn to it and they're and they're sort of collecting it. So there is a reason for for collecting it to get the best ending. You need to collect all the tea set, bring it all back together, yeah, and that actually allows you to. To cure the zombiness. Uh, yeah, I like that. So, because uh, I'm, I'm, I'm picturing this as a bit of an like an open world um, where you you have options. Yeah. Um, obviously, you have to go get your shovel first, and you just gate them in some way for that. Although maybe you can let them, you can let them go off without completing that mission, and they it's just really challenging because they have to use the trowels. Yeah, um, breath breath of the wild style. You you hmm. basically let them go anywhere, but if they follow the main path, then they'll get stronger and stronger and stronger and have like an easier time at the end. Yeah, for sure. But then, yeah, you've got yeah, you've got these these different parts of the tea set that are scattered around that you can then can take in different order if you like and and choose your path through. Um, <laughs> for sure, there's just something about how absurd this whole idea is like with you know tea and shovels and all all bring it together and <laughs> class it's war. just yeah it's a class war <laughs> <laughs> no i love it i think that's i think that the whole caste system of grave diggers is 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 fun to play with yeah that's that's really cool all right but let's move on from that world Ben, what three words? Into the world of. Into the world of. No, I'm saying that we're moving into the world of, and then I'm. You're clicking. Okay. Clicking. <laughs> I'm like, into- how is into the world of 
Sweet. Like, <laughs> yes, we are moving on into the world of the three words: Holly's growth, gem-like. Okay, Polly's gem-like growth, basically. No, Holly's, Holly, Holly. Sorry, yeah. Holly's gem-like growth. So it could be someone called Holly, or it could be the plant Holly, like Christmas, Christmassy, spiky. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of do like. I kind of like this idea of, you know, you, your character wakes up one day and on their little finger, like their little finger is basically crystallizing. Mm. And it's sort of like, um, it's a gem like growth because it's sort of like, it's a sort of almost emeraldy sort of crystal, crystalline pattern that is just growing over time. And it's kind of got that, that feeling of, um, Senua's sacrifice sort of thing where things are gradually growing and every time that you sort of get defeated, then it grows a little bit more sort of thing. So you can. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, I was, I was liking the way that I was heading. I was thinking that that could be good in VR because then you can really mm-hmm. like look at your hand at, over time and, and notice the changes. <laughs> I'm just imagining you're closing your, your fist and it's like, oh, like that, that little what? finger that's the crystalline growth isn't close. actually closing. And then as you go a little bit further and it's like, <laughs> I do like that actually in VR of like what would usually move your entire hand. Like, yeah, the crystalline bits stop moving. Yeah. Um, as a sort of growing across the hand. And then, you know, you can only use the hand for so much at that point. Mm. Like, because. You know, you can only close then, you know, the, the pointer finger and the, and the thumb. And as it grows to the whole hand, but the thing is you get more power out of it because you can like slap people around for more damage. <laughs> yeah. So what is this game? Is it, is it, is it combat based? Is it puzzle based? Is it both? Uh, I do like the idea of, of, of obviously the, the power of that hand growing in some way at the same time as. It, you know, the use of it as an actual, uh, hand, hand with opposable thumbs and such. Uh, yeah. I also like the idea of it being your, your dominant hand. So you end up having to do the majority of the actions with the less dominant hand. Interesting. I do like that idea that, cause I'm picturing at the beginning, you can use things like a bow and arrow or, uh, you know, two handed weapons. Mm-hmm. But once you essentially reach a certain point, it's like, oh, you can't use those anymore. But now you can just smack people with your crystallized hand. Yeah. And it will do a ton of damage um, or like magic damage or whatever. Like it blasts them or something. Um, so the question is, why is it happening to you? You had sex out of marriage. It's a very uh, conservative- <laughs> What uh, I was actually thinking points, is but- that <laughs> you're actually, like, you weren't born on Earth. You're actually from another planet. And this is like your metamorphosis. I think it's more likely you just masturbated too much. And you know how they say, like, you get hairy palms? They got it slightly wrong. You get crystalline palms. You get crystalline palms. Uh, you did say it was- But it goes through hand. the digits first, so you c- so they're trying to stop it. But, you know, if you really try, you know- <laughs> Yeah, well, part of the game is taking masturbation breaks, but every time it happens, um, the crystal grows. <laughs> but it's a mandatory part of the game for it to continue. No, okay. <laughs> Let's go back to the metamorphosis idea. Um, rather than that, that filthy tangent- Ben's the one that said it. I didn't. Well, so, what sort of <laughs> what sort of world are we setting this in? Um, nineteen fifties America. <laughs> yeah, we're we're borrowing arrows. We're very common. Uh, <laughs> just, just big two handed weapon spears everywhere. Um, um, no, I eighteen fifties America then. <laughs> specifically, America. In the, um, when, when I think bow and arrows, I think America. I don't think. I, I don't think so. Australia. I, mean, I was going. <laughs> I was going more generic, fantasy-ish, I guess. But okay. um, no, we can we can make it fantasy. I just I do like the idea of bringing science fiction into it as well. Yeah, well, that I think then that then we might just have to shift some of the weaponry and stuff and how that plays a part. Because I'm fine with it being the 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 generic fantasy is is the standard way to go probably and a bit played out. So I'm definitely into into switching that up. Um, science fantasy. Oh my god. Science it's an fantasy. Un- 
It's an untapped, untapped genre. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, look, the, the main thing about fantasy was just that thing of 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 how your weapon usage would change over time based on the fact that you only had one hand. Okay. Um, yep. But maybe it does just come down to you can't like. You can only use pistols after a certain point because then you have to use them in your offhand or um, <laughs> or you can just, like, you can only equip one thing at a time then, right? Like, you can't dual wield anymore. Um, but I think what, what comes with that is obviously more power when you realise that you can actually use this as a weapon now, like- Well, yeah, I think now you can, like, maybe block bullets with it and stuff. Like, you can use it as a shield. You can use it as a, yeah, as, like, a blunt object, except it has amazing- you know, it does a ton of force. It, um, you can it, it end up smashing through doors with it and stuff. Mm-hmm. So the reason for it, you think you were you were placed there as a sleeper agent or something? Yeah, and this is yeah. You I, I think it's a, a sleeper agent does kind of does kind of work, and basically you haven't had all your powers fully unlocked, sort of thing. I think when you were sent to Earth, you were supposed to be with like another operative that was here, mm. but. They may have got hurt or something like that, and you ended up with another family, and they didn't sort of mm. get you prepared for what you needed to do. And mm-hmm. I like that. So then, so, so I was, I was just loving the idea that, and, and we may need to bring something in earlier than this, depending on how the growth proceeds. Um, but like, once the crystal structures reach all the way up your shoulder and start essentially getting to your spine or your brain. That's when you start getting memories back of your part or of either your history or your culture or like why you're there. Mm-hmm. And, um, cause I'm just picturing, you know, and that's going to be tricky. Obviously in VR, you can get a bit of that, but we'll need mirrors around to make sure you can like see how far the growth has progressed at different times. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think once it reaches. Oh, I, I like the idea of it being sort of like every time that you sort of see the mirror, um, it's progressed a lot further than what you what you would have thought. Like, yeah, absolutely. And so you don't know what's going to happen, but then yes, when you you get to a point and you know you look in the mirror and that triggers essentially like a a moment where it it grows even more and like engulfs the side of your head and. I don't know, you get a flashback or something that you play through or- But you start realising that, you know, the hands are actually starting to move a little bit more and all this sort of stuff as joints are sort of- Oh, okay. Sort yeah, of forming. Maybe. So, you are actually kind of becoming yeah. like this crystalline entity sort of thing. Yeah, because I was then thinking that, like, the last part of the game is once you've literally just turned entirely into this crystal creature and you're just, like, rampaging then, like- Mowing through enemies, yeah, like- Yeah, no, like, bullets no tomorrow. off you. you. You can just pick people up and throw them. Like, it's essentially like the end of Half-Life 2 when you've got the upgraded gravity gun and all of a sudden you can just, like, yeah. fucking throw shit around. But, yeah, it's just, like- As long as it's and- not, like, my my pet peeve in all the um in all the Force Unleashed games, which I've talked about numerous times before, and where- you get more powerful, but so do the enemies. Like, no, you you want to feel like a god. Like, you can- Like, in Force, Un- Force Unleashed, you can grab a planet and pull it down to Earth. But <laughs> for some reason, like- the storm, A stormtrooper can a, still, A stormtrooper like, all of a sudden gets a shield and you can't shots. use it anymore. Like, yeah. what's the point of getting powers if you can't use them continuously? No, I think in this, it's much more just around the techniques- um, you know, obviously yep. at the beginning, you're a f- mostly a fleshy human. So it's about cover shooting, cover fire, but you can use, you know, multiple weapons at once. Mm-hmm. You, know, uh, you know, once, once it progresses, you've, you can only use a weapon in your offhand, but now you've got like this strong crystal arm that, you know, maybe it can even generate a shield or something, or it can, you know, you, you've got some actual powers related to it, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, like by the end. You're not even, you don't, don't even need to bother with weapons because you're just running through this area, throwing people around left and right. <laughs> I'm just imagining, you know, you get, you get to the end of the game and you actually come up ac- across another crystalline entity that sort of goes, Oh my God, I didn't realize there was another one of us here. Quick, come, come with me and we can, we can rule this world together sort of thing. And you realize that. You know, the reason why everyone was attacking you was because of this person that's in front of you. Oh, I see. Yeah, well, I think maybe they were triggered at the same time. 
Like, this is the other person, perhaps, that was- you were separated from them. You were supposed to do this together, but then you find them at the end and they've also, you know, maybe you were drawn to a specific place or there's some plot reason why you, you've both ended up in the same place, but it's, it's essentially your like life partner. And yes, you're there to, to take over the planet basically together. Yeah. It's kind of like that, um, you know, the red Krypton stuff that they, yeah, they put out, you know, where Superman's actually, Superman's you know, like a dictator essentially. Yeah. And ends up in Russia and, yeah. And, like, has a totally different look on life and yeah, how crazy that would cool. be. All right. Okay. Three, two, one. What three words? Wakes. Train. Newly. Huh. Wakes? W-A-K-E-S. Okay. I feel like this is a story of you on the way to a wake, like, to a funeral. Yeah. On a train. Yeah. And is it like a new train line sort of thing? Like it's a it's a monorail that's just been put in or something yeah, like that. Or some trying like out maglev, for the first time. Yeah, like some new type of high speed train or something. Or you know, usually you'd fly, but there's this new train system. So and it's and yeah. it's it's deemed you know it's this luxury train line. Like they're trying to harken back to the old days of train travel, but it's you know traveling across the entire country, or maybe it's like under the ocean or something. Like it's I don't know. It's like con- yeah. intercontinental. Um, yeah. What I like about that is you can sort of have, you know, that sort of murder on the Orient Express exactly, sort of feel yeah. um, of basically there's a whole heap of family members on, on board this train. Mm. Like, and it's basically, it's almost as if um, maybe maybe the uh, person who died was your great grandfather and he was the, you know, um, he he was the guy that designed the train. So all the family is invited on, and and it's now like yeah, this okay. is the only, it's maiden voyage. The only the only misgiving I have about that is it's very similar to the game we did last week with the family tree and the like grandmother who was dying. Okay. Um, yep, I'd forgotten of all about that because <laughs> I hadn't actually listened to this week's yeah, episode. Yeah. <laughs> so I think maybe instead of it all being your family on the train, I think yep. it's strangers. I think it's more of a, a straightforward mystery. I think you're going to awake, but that's almost a just a circumstance of why you're yep. there, right? Of why you're on the train. And then there is a murder on the train that you are solving. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it's sort of an ironic thing. It's like, oh, I'm on my way to a, to awake and then someone dies on the train. It's like, great. Ooh, I do like the idea that we're talking, as you were saying, intercontinental. I'm now picturing that the murder happens while you're, you're going under the Atlantic Ocean between, you know, England and America or whatever, whichever, whichever way you're going. Yeah. And the idea of you're literally alone because you're at the bottom of the ocean as it's traveling across. Yeah, you know- exactly. No, I, that, uh, that's exactly it. I think it's like, I don't know. I, how long would that take? It's probably, it's still not as fast as a plane. So I don't know. Maybe it's like a thirty-six hour trip or something. Yeah, um, that sounds I don't pretty know good. If that's fast or slow for a train traveling that far. I mean, I'm sure it's fairly fast. But so yeah, you've you've got this time limit, but no one can leave. No one can. No, no one can. You know that the murderer is aboard the yeah, train so with you. It gives you that locked room sort of situation. It gives you that sense of the suspect is or the the the. the Suspects are all here, and one of them is the murderer. Um, yes. It's Among Us on a train. <laughs> we did that a few, like, a few months ago, too. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, so, I think this is less- It, it also had, had a lot of ghosts. <laughs> yeah, that one had ghosts. Uh, this, this, this is a single-player game. Yeah, I think this is a single-player game, and it's it's more of an investigative sort of yep. story, story-based story sort of thing. Ooh, I'm just wondering whether- like you, your character sort of wakes up after hearing someone scream, but you find your door locked. So you got to sort of solve a puzzle to actually get out of your door. Basically, someone didn't want you being, um, yeah, so being out of your room. Let's talk about the the character. Like, why are they solving the mystery? Are they some sort of investigator, like a detective or, a, or something themselves, or are they? I, just- I like. I like, an you know, sort of like a, who- a true crime blogger sort of thing. Like, <laughs> yes. there's, there's just something <laughs> about, like, the, the well, self-importance. Podcast <laughs> exactly. Like, the self-importance of this character who thinks, you know, oh, I was made for this. 
and and like uh, you know love, the entitlement actually, that they just I think. love that idea and, and I love the idea that there's that but there's also there's like an actual investigator on board and so you're just constantly getting in their way and like undermining and them. interrupting and saying something and then he contradicts everything that you say straight away like yes. <laughs> <so> you- <laughs> I think that's actually challenging to like that would work really you can imagine how that would work if you were the investi- if you were the investigator and that was just like one of the quirky characters on the train yep. but I do actually like the challenge of having you be that terrible quirky character yeah. Um, it's a bit more of a, of a, um, anti-hero underdog, sort of like a Roger Wilco style stumbling through. Um, yeah. Cause I'm, I'm picturing that what you can actually do on this train is like, you know, you, you sit down with someone and, and like interview the, interview them for the podcast sort for of thing. For the podcast. And- yes. 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 That's perfect. Actually. I love that. Yeah, that gives just- a great framing device for why you're talking to all these people and- And also why the inspector really doesn't want to talk to you because, like, yeah. he's like, oh, I, I want to actually investigate- you just keep getting in their face. And you're like, oh my God, this is going to be the best episode ever. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm, I'm picturing the recording gear, like, you've, you've got, like, the stuff set up in your- in your um, in your in your cabin on the train, but then you've also got like the portable recorder that you yeah. can, that you sort of take out, but that's only got limited batteries, so that you and you've only got limited space, so you can only have so many conversations with people before you have to go right. back you and change batteries and, and just start on your edit. There's a whole editing mini game, cutting out <laughs> ums and pauses. <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't be fun for us, but maybe other people might enjoy <laughs> enjoy doing that. We'd be good at it, though. Um, yeah, I mean, we, we'd be running at two speed, two times speed. <laughs> so, uh, who done it? Um, the investigator of all people. Nah, uh, that's too obvious. Maybe, or maybe the train did it. <laughs> it's like a smart train. It has to have like a certain level of intelligence to <laughs> navigate the <laughs> the rogue AI. Did it? Yeah. No, I don't. Um, I don't think we even need to. It was. Uh, we don't. We don't need to. We don't need to say who Maggie it was. Simpson. But <laughs> the baby. The baby. Yeah, um, we're not actually writing the the plot. Here. No. What- what we're talking about is more the characters and and the crazy th- hijinks that can happen on the on yeah, the thing. Who the actually work. works out the um works out the story? Does the crazy podcast host you being you actually end up breaking the story wide I open? I think so. I think I kind of like the idea that it, it, like that as the character you don't realize that you are, are solving it, but as the player guiding the character you have actually got enough information then that you can solve it and but like the way it plays out is essentially that the character stumbles onto it without realizing that so they actually got I don't know why but my my brain has just gone to the um the Pauly Shaw movie Jury Duty <laughs> in which okay. in which um he was the only one who sort of saw that that the guy, you know, who has been accused of of doing the the murder or whatever, didn't actually do it. But everyone just accused him of of you know going against it because he just wanted more money for jury duty and all this sort of stuff. And it turns out that he was actually he right, was right in this case. Time. But I, I'm kind of getting it that you know it's this kind of silly character who the investigator sort of goes down that red herring trap of, yep, okay, it was definitely this person when in reality it was actually, you know, so more so much more convoluted than than what um, yeah. ever could have happened before. Yeah. I, I like that. I do- uh, it, <clears throat> I'm not sure how tricky it would be to write, but I do just love the idea that as the player, you're doing things for the right reasons. Like, through the interviews you've got, you've essentially- you've found some evidence where you're like, no, it definitely can't be the person- that the investigator is accusing, but like the only way you can do that is the character is against it for a completely different reason. Like they've got the hots for them or something. Like, <laughs> uh, I kind of, I just love that interesting duality of giving the player a reason to do something and giving the character a completely different reason for doing the same thing. That's just 
in, but that is in character. With yeah. Um, uh, that'd be a really fun writing challenge. Um, for someone but, else. But yeah, exactly. <laughs> we're, we're never going to make these games. <laughs> if you I'd haven't got to. that now, after I'd love to. I'd love 221 to, episodes. Not, we're not in a place to do so. Um, yeah. All right. Let's move on. Mm-hmm. Ben, what three words? All right. Sweetens wasps assignments. So I Ooh. immediately go to like a bees v wasps sort of situation. Yeah. I'm thinking in this world, which one has the sweeter honey? Well, well I need- how do the wasps get the honey? It turns out that, like- That in this world, wasps make honey. Exactly. Um, or do they, they gotta, just- They've got to feed something to their, to their young. Just so happens that this is blood honey. But wasps deal in, like, artificial sweetness. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas bees have, you know, they use their fucking saliva or whatever to make natural honey or whatever they do. <laughs> Let, let's not let's not talk about that. <laughs> I just realised how gross honey is, and I'm like, no, don't think about that. Um, all right, we don't have to go into the biological details of it, but I do like the idea of a world around honey with yeah wasps versus bees in some yep. way. Um, assignments makes me think that you're actually there's actually like some organisation that you're part of or. Like, is this corporate espionage where you're- Yeah, I like the idea of corporate espionage. Like, in this world, it's basically- There's spies that are known as honeys, and there's spies that are known as wasps. And it's sort of like, you know- I'm picturing- I'm picturing that it's basically- You got the good guys versus the bad guys, you know, the- So, you're saying these aren't actual insects? No. Oh. No, it's just like- um, (laughs) It's so just they, the they, world they of both honey co- they both happen to call their their um you know place of operations the hive, but it's just that <laughs> right. they're they're set up slightly differently. <laughs> um, one of them in like a hexagonal, you know, set of hexagonal. Uh, well, they both they both end up doing that. I don't know whether you've ever seen those those wasp um those wasp hive videos where where people go in and like dismantle the hives and all this sort of stuff. Like, it's all still, all still like, honeycomb-esque. It's oh, just- true, There's yeah. no honey in there. It's it's all bloody- Ugh, the, the combs are so disgusting in wasps. That's gross. Um, yeah. <laughs> I do kind of like the comedic aspect of these two competing companies around, like, very similar insects. So yes, they both call their home like their their home office the the hive, and they they use hexagons as their like you know motif. Yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> I think the only real difference is, and you know, you can sort of choose which which one you're going to work for at the start, and then the only real difference is that each one thinks of the other one as the evil ones, but really they're yeah. just. Um, in this world of corporate espionage, it's sort of like you're almost going up against them all the time, trying to trying to get the um get the information for your client. Is this <laughs> do all these operations occur at the bar that's like midway between these two offices? I kind of like the idea that it's all it all plays out. In these like after work or like lunchtime, you know, boozy lunch uh, breaks. <laughs> I like the idea that you know you you're actually you're working behind the counter at some of these places and and you know having to prepare food and drinks and all this so sort you're of not stuff. Even and it's working like working for one of them. <laughs> no, I'm saying that you know a- as part of your undercover thing is like okay now. Uh- Provide food for this person. So, you're sort of doing cooking mama sort of things. But, but when, like when you come up against the person that you need to hand, you know, the secret documents, then you've got to sort of sneak underneath the um, underneath the poke bowl or whatever you've got there. <laughs> like the, the coaster that, you know, has all the secret information on on it. Yeah. Okay. I can see that working. Um, is that the whole game then? Are you just undercover at this place and it's all playing out in front of you and you're like- passing things back and forth and 
doing different things to to help your side. Yeah, I think what you also have to deal with is the fact that there is always going to be an operative from the other side somewhere in in the area trying mm. to pass off information to someone else. So it could be like the delivery guy who comes and drops off your ingredients or the mail It could be Cheryl person. who's working right beside you and you yeah, know yeah, she yeah. did seem to slip something underneath underneath another one of the bowls that that they handed off to another person. And you find out it was just her phone number because she thought it was hot. Um, and then it turns out that you actually slipped the, the paper to the other operative because they- Oh, you, know, you that the operative comes back and they're like, why did you give me a piece of paper with Cheryl's number on it? And you're like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> that means that hot guy got the secret documents. <laughs> Like the encryption key. Um, no, that's fun. And I, I feel like, and so you're not just stuck in the, the bar or restaurant the whole time. Maybe you do like lunch deliveries or something. So you've got moments where you go to each um, office and you're like, you've got like a sandwich card or something or like a, <laughs> a coffee card or something. And so that gives you the opportunity. It's like, oh, you need to look out for, uh, you know, Vicky Smith, because she's the one who needs to receive these documents. But also, don't forget that you know Cheryl has made all the all these sandwiches for all these people, and she's given you a a note that says Sam wanted you know ham on wheat. Um, you know Pam wanted ham on rye. Make sure that you that you remember the difference. <laughs> Yeah, I like that. And you have to figure out, is this just Cheryl being a really good, like, you know, host here? Uh, or uh, is this a secret message? Yeah. Uh, that's fun. I, I really love the idea. Uh, are both of these companies making honey, then? Um, I, I think I think they, they make money off of money off of these secrets being being, you know, transferred back back to you and all that sort of stuff. It's all about- They call it honey. <laughs> oh, okay. But- in, uh, Yeah. But- no, I, I just- I kind of like the idea that, like, one of these companies call themselves bees and one call themselves wasps, and the bees are always like, but you st- you make honey too. Like, why are you calling yourself wasps? It's so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Three, two, one. What three words? Mutual moon bump. <laughs> Mutual moon bump. Like, <laughs> I'm just picturing these moons just like, boop, little, little kiss, little, little square kiss. Um, okay. So, so now I'm imagining, you know, in the, in the distant future when there's like this, this big asteroid coming to hit Earth and the moon just happens to sort of get in the way and just sort of bump this, this thing out and everyone goes, oh my God, it's so, it's so amazing that, you know, it just so happened that the moon just got into the perfect position to sort of deflect. But then there's like a secret sort of thing going on in the background that you yeah. find out that the moon is here as our, as our, you know, protector sort of thing. <laughs> the whole time the moon's been sentient. The man yep. and the moon is a real thing. Um, okay. How does that play out then? Do you start communicating with the moon somehow as someone on Earth? Um, I, I think what ends up happening is that um, scientists pretty much say that something weird happened with the moon at, at this at this time because it moved extremely quickly from from its usual <laughs> orbit and made it made its way. Up. And ba- basically, they, they they were looking. The only way they could actually tell is they were looking at the tides, and the tides kind of. You know, went fucked up during this during this time. <laughs> I feel like I feel like there would be there's enough telemetry out there that we would notice if the moon's better. Uh, but I, I so I'm picturing this situation where I feel like you play a child. Yeah, and um, this for the prologue essentially is like it's almost like the start of a disaster movie because yeah, this asteroid's coming. It's, you know, it's the world ender. It's going to, you know, get us all. And then, yes, like, it happens that the moon's orbit shifts and the moon blocks this asteroid. Yeah. And everyone's just like, oh, like, this weird anomaly, but thank goodness, like, we're all safe. And then you're, like, 
clock radio starts talking to you or something. Like, basically, you start getting these transmissions and it turns out it's literally from the moon. Yeah. And whether the fact that this asteroid hit it has meant that it can now communicate in some way or whether it's just chosen to after this, you know, after all this time and why you, I don't know, but it almost just becomes this, like, whimsical kind of interesting little story between these characters. Yeah. Now, I'm I'm almost wondering whether this character was actually adopted okay. and they're somewhat related to the man in the moon and that the reason why you're, why you're actually, you're getting contacted <laughs> is this is your father. Um, I just have images of, like, uh, Tim Allen in the Santa Claus Becoming Santa, this child just like <laughs> slowly growing more moon like. <laughs> they like, they start getting acne. It's like, oh, these acne really looks like craters um, <laughs> on their face. And like all this, all this like dust keeps coming off them. And they, yeah, they're like growing rounder. Um, <laughs> just the head. Just the head. Yeah. It's eventually going to pop off. And become the next moon. <laughs> the actual moon. <laughs> yeah. The, you're growing up to be the successor to the moon, the, oh the protector God. of Earth. Um, <laughs> or at least to go up and join your father. Yeah. Um, what I, I think this is one of those sort of um, nice cases of, like, the family that, you, that you're living with are, are amazing and all this sort of stuff. And they've they've actually known the entire time that- you know, oh, your yes. father. You the- sit, they sit down and have a talk with you. Or like you or you reveal something about it. It's like, Mum and Dad, I think the moon's talking to me. And they're just like, oh, and we knew this day would come. <laughs> so your father. <laughs> it's like the opposite of uh, in Avatar when like my girlfriend became the moon. It's like, no, you, your father is the moon. <laughs> <laughs> um. There's just something about about having though that sort of um, relationship and sort of like changing your your mind as to oh my god you know now I'm finding out that you know my father is literally watching over me and protecting us. Mm. Oh yeah, I think you could make it a quite sort of sweet story. Um, I think maybe how old do you think the kid is? Like eleven or something? Like a preteen, but not like young child. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely not seeing a three or four year old sort of going, my dad's the moon. But yeah, yeah, maybe it starts off at 11 and then you have the discussion at around 15, 16. And then um, you study to become an astronaut to travel to the moon. And you sort of end up there. You know, at around twenty one, twenty two, and that's when you meet your dad, and you know, he you sort meet of says, his dad by landing on him, landing on the moon. It turns out that he's he's working some ob- observation-y sort of thing. Like, it's- <laughs> oh no, I was still under the impression that your father is literally a planetoid, uh- <laughs> like Ego, the living planet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like this sentient, sentient uh, moon. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you think that, and then you hear this, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. <laughs> yeah, we could, we could play out. We could, we could play a fake out with that. Um, <laughs> we could say, it could go both ways. <laughs> uh, no, I like it. That's a fun little story that like, yes, you're, you're getting these messages as you grow up. You know, mm-hmm. and it's playing playing through these different areas, these different sec- sections of this kid's life. Um, yeah, but then it then it turns out that you know your dad couldn't couldn't afford to to um, you know look after you. He al- he's always loved you, and that's why he's always protected you and all this sort of stuff. And and when this when this happened, you know he he so reached he hum- out just he's in the off chance. Human or yeah, I think so. So, is the moon, like, some government conspiracy? It's actually, like, a giant space station that's- Or, no, this is just, like, his family's, like, you know, birthright was- They're actually descended from the moon people. (laughs) Okay. I feel like this is a weird mix of surrealist surrealist fantasy or just sci-fi or just anything else. But, uh, you know what? I, I like it. That's, that's so fine. I. 
Okay, three, two, one, finish the episode. <laughs> <laughs> three, two, one, finish. Yeah, I think we will finish up the episode there. Uh, that was fun, as usual. If you want to find all of our previous episodes, you can go onto this wonderful thing called the internet. Go to podchaser.com slash bitstorm and uh, go have a browse. Start wherever you like. Leave some reviews. It's not serialized that much. No, we We occasionally go back, back to ideas, but most but of the time it's not serialized. Jump in. Find a guest you like, perhaps. Um, yeah. Have fun. And finally, we'd like to thank Kurudas for the use of the song Mount Defiance of the album Containment Failure. That's right. So, thank you again for joining us this week on Bitstorm. I'm Ben Slinger. I'm Trevor Scott. And how dare you talk to me, a shovel's worth, you, you trial smith. Get out of here.